Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Go 24 7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn. He is Glenn West, and we're coming at you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And if you're watching this or listening to it, we appreciate you. But the big news circulating around the college football world and especially down in here in Baton Rouge is that the offensive coordinator position or positions, as we're going to talk about, Glenn, is seemingly kind of been finalized. You and I have been kind of sitting on this, waiting to record this podcast, waiting to get our stories out on this. But Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton to be co-OCs in Baton Rouge next fall. Your immediate thoughts of maybe not a massive surprise, uh, but this is kind of all fits the bill of the continuity and wanting to kind of keep up with what was a record-setting offense this past year and trying to keep as much of the same heading into a new year with a new quarterback. Yes, absolutely. I think it's really not a big surprise if you just kind of spent the last couple of weeks even reading our board the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've kind of felt like this was going to be the trajectory uh, LSU was going to go into. And uh, really, I mean, like you, you look, you kind of you know, go back to offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock leaving, what was it, in mid to late December, uh, right, right after the, Christmas, I believe. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it was, it, it's been several, several weeks now since that move was made where he went to Notre Dame. And really in that time, we have not heard a whole lot of names connected to the offensive coordinator job. I mean, outside names. And we, we, we certainly heard uh, a lot of the talk, the buzz around Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton earning the, uh, the, the, the dual role as, of, of offensive coordinator uh, for the bowl game. They were working in unison for, Many of the bowl practices leading up to the uh, to the ReliaQuest Bowl on January first, and so um, it, it was. It, it was. I think this was kind of the trajectory you were going towards if you were LSU, because really we heard no names. Uh, at least yeah. I don't think I did, and I'm not sure a whole lot of other people did either. In terms of just maybe guys that Brian Kelly was looking towards as an outside source. I mean. Tommy Reese was maybe floated around for like a couple hours. And I, I think that was just more of a strong rumor than any kind of interest that was shown in, in from LSU's part. So um, I, I think you got it right though. I mean, the one thing that we've talked about uh, all off season, or at least for the last month or so is just how important it was to have some kind of continuity returning within the staff. And certainly on the offensive side of the ball, when you had the number one offense, you had, uh, so many of these pieces coming back, so many guys that maybe haven't had a whole lot of opportunity in this offense yet that you're hoping can develop, develop and evolve uh, in the system here in year three. You, you want to have some returning pieces in place from the coaching perspective. And so uh, I think it's very much deserved for Joe Sloan uh, and, and Cortez Hankton. Joe Sloan's going to be the, the play caller from what it sounds like from what's being reported by our Matt Zenitz uh, earlier today. So you, you, you that that I think is a very right is the right move to make as well, just because Sloan has some play calling experience going back to his time at Louisiana Tech. Um, obviously, he was the in the booth for the for the ReliaQuest Bowl game as well. So a lot of connecting parts here that make sense for him to be the play caller up in the booth. I think for for Cortez and what his role will look like. I think you could certainly envision him remaining the, the the receivers coach, the passing game coordinator. But I, I would expect that there's a little bit more of a responsibility given to him on the sidelines. I mean, that's where he's been 
the last couple of years is on the field. And so maybe having somebody on the field to help with, with kind of the structure and just the getting everybody subbed in and out that needs to be on the field um, that, that, that will, that will be a, a, something that he can help out with. And then of course, Sloan uh, from the play, from the, from the box uh, making some of these play calls, but uh, and I'm sure Hankton will have his, his, his views on just how a game is supposed to be called, what kind of adjustments they need to be making. You can still see that stuff from on the field. And I'm sure his opinion will be greatly valued because I do think that they, they showed, and it was a small, small sample size, but I think they showed that they can have some success together. I think they have a strong working relationship. Um, you know, we've heard, heard really good things about uh, their, their uh, ability to work together during the, the bowl practices and just kind of having that month or so to, to really kind of work out any kinks or something that they might have, I think really benefited LSU and made it a lot easier. I think for Brian Kelly, when you look at the success that that offense had in the second half, uh, in particular that game, that's kind of the vision that I think you can really lean into this off season and really uh, see if you can't uh, tap into it and continue to evolve this offense. It's going to look a little bit different stylistically. You, 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 you can't, kind of go around that at all uh, when you're losing a guy like Jaden Daniels, who was so multifaceted, but uh, I, I still think there's a lot of room to grow with this offense. And um, you've got a lot of the returning personnel coming back that maybe didn't have opportunity last year that I think are really going to be able to thrive under Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton this season. Yeah, and you talked about, uh, you know, just the continuity the structure that you have. I mean, look, there's a framework for offensive success and the lead offense in Baton Rouge. And right now, if you're, you know, if you're LSU, you're sitting here saying, okay, you know, we're going to miss, miss some of the players, the chess pieces that weren't there. Mike Denbrock's no longer there. Jane Daniels, Malik neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. But you're hoping that this framework is going to allow you to continue just to plug and play high level players and high level coaches uh, into the mix and say, Hey, we're going to keep rolling with that. And, and I don't think that's a far-fetched idea, especially, you know, look, Joe Sloan, and, and I think you you mentioned it here. He's got experience calling plays in his time in Louisiana Tech. I mean, this is not something that's going to be a foreign concept to him. Uh, you mentioned, you know, as well with, with Cortez Hankton, those two guys collabing, what we saw out of this group, especially when they got rolling in that bowl game. Uh, you know, you and I both said, I mean, look, a lot of people might consider bowl games to not be super important. With what we know now, uh, it's massively important to, for LSU success and continuing to have that continuity. Uh, one of the big questions, though, Glenn, you know, that's been posed on social media, that's been posed, I think, on our board a time or two, and maybe the concerns that you always get is when you don't name an offensive coordinator solo, there becomes a question of, oh, hey, how do these guys work together? Like, you're really going to figure out what the chemistry is like on your staff when you have kind of two guys. I'll preface it with this. A lot of times you see this, and I think LSU did this, in order to keep both of these guys on staff. If Joe Sloan's not named the OC, I guarantee you some school comes calling, if not this year or next year, to for them to be their play caller. And maybe even Cortez Hankton to, to a certain degree of, of you know elevating him, you know, if not this year, next year. So I think that's step one of this, of where they really wanted to kind of bring in and say, hey, we're going to elevate you. Uh, also with that title, you get a little of a, bit of a pay raise. That's no secret as well. But one of the uh, concerns is can this two OC system work? Glenn, I've been kind of you know all about this. If they did this, and you have a guy, you know, the, the staff around them that's going to be helping them out, I, I feel like this is yes, you're going to have a guy as a designated play caller. This is really a group effort, and this offensive coaching staff is elite. I mean, with guys like Frank Wilson, uh, you know, guys like Brad Davis at the offensive line position. I mean, these guys are all going to have some serious input in what this offense wants to look like. 
I don't think it's going to fall solely on the square on the on the shoulders of these two guys. But this really is going to be a collaborative effort. I think the most important piece that you can take out of the reporting today um, is the fact that Zenit's reported and a lot of other people have since reported that uh, it's going to be Joe Sloan making the play calls. And I think that is the the separator here. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you, you can give you know, Hankton the OC title and I'm sure there's going to be some other responsibilities that come with that. Maybe on a game week, they'll script the first 15 to 20 plays together. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure Cortez will have a, a big time impact in terms of what kind of play calls they want to go into, what kind of game plan they want to create uh, for that opponent that week. Um, but as the game moves along, I think you'll see uh, Joe Sloan make a lot of those play calls, make a lot of those decisions um, from, from the, from the box and then get Hankton's, uh, opinion and 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 views uh on, on all that stuff as the game goes along I, I think that's the best way that you can approach this i don't think you can go in uh thinking okay here you're going to call this play and then i'm going to call the next one and then you're going to call this one like i i don't think that would ever work yeah. but uh if you go in with a little bit of a set structure of okay this guy is going to pl- call the plays but this is also going to be with the the knowledge of what I can bring and, and what, you know, I think this could also work for certain sets and certain plays and whatnot. So I, I do think we're, we're getting a little bit down the rabbit hole here with this, but the, the point of the whole overall view here is that both of these guys are going to be involved in, in the decision-making for the offense. And I think it's important because both of them have been in this system now for two, two years or going into their third mm-hmm. off season of working together um, we, we've, like I said, we've heard some really good things about how they've worked together, how they value each other's opinion. And, um, I'm going to be very interested to see how it works. Um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that the, the, when you're looking at just kind of why those two were the ones that were named the co-OCs, LSU's passing game is going to be heavy influence on this season. I mean, Joe Sloan's worked very closely with Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, Nussmeyer talked about, leading up to the bowl game, how impactful Joe Sloan's been in terms of his development as a player, even when he's not been playing the last couple of years. So now that they have a full off season together to really kind of structure this offense and cater it to what Garrett does really well. uh, I think that's going to be one of the big things I'm looking for uh, in spring ball when they get back together and, have everybody back and and what what that looks like in terms of the the evolution of the offense so uh i I think it's a good move you you absolutely could not afford to lose either one of these guys and if it means slapping on an extra title for both of them if it means giving them both pay raises um we've seen it uh, just the impact they've had on recruiting alone what they've got coming up in this 2025 class what's coming up in 2026 there's a lot of elite level players that LSU's in the mix for right now. Uh, and I think these next two recruiting cycles in particular are going to be critical that you get right, not only on defense, which has garnered a lot of the attention so far, um, but you've got to be able to continue to get the right pieces in place on offense as well. And these two are, are, are two of the ones that are really spearheading that effort along with Frank Wilson and Brad Davis, of course. Um, but the, 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 the big head of the monster, I think has been this passing game and the success that it's had over the last two years. And you're seeing it here with, Jaden Daniels and Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors all expected to be first round picks and in, in discussions for Heisman awards and finalists for different Aurora, uh, national awards this past season. Uh, you want to continue to build on that. And I think that's why you're seeing uh, LSU really make an effort here to keep both of those guys on the staff. 
Yeah, and we obviously can't forget Cortez Hankton has been the passing game coordinator at LSU, so he's already had some in, you know input, not just in what the receivers are doing, but what this passing offense wants to look like. And that's something that, uh, look, you're, you're going to figure out a lot about what your staff is made of when you have these two titles. I think it's uh, some good fodder for media and social media to take care of. I think inside the building, Brian Kelly, and look, I'm not trying to, Glenn, say that Brian Kelly is immune to making bad decisions. He's a human being. He's going to make some decisions that he might have to go back on. And we've already seen that at his time in LSU. But I don't think he would have made this decision if he thought there might have been a point of contention between anybody on that offensive staff and not clearly defining what the roles inside that building are. That's the biggest key here, too. And you you kind of put you kind of put that into play when you said, hey, Joe Sloan's calling these offensive plays. He's going to be the kind of the lead guy in this. But this is a collaborative effort. I mean, when you have uh, – and even in the bowl game, you go back, Brad Davis and Frank Wilson, they were in charge of kind of the run game game plan. This this is a dynamite offensive coaching staff uh, that I think uh, has a really, really good shot to continue some really, really fun success uh, that they were able to kind of capture and take that momentum into 2024. Uh, obviously, Glenn, we have just been – I mean, the cup runneth over, I should say, with just coaching news. And uh, we, the light might be at the end of the tunnel here as we kind of you know, close in, uh, obviously, some player personnel movement uh, today. But the latest around LSU's remaining hire, Matt Zinnitz, who has been one of the best additions to 24-7 sports in a long time, well, ever since you know Glenn and I came on board. We'll, we'll kind of put that to the side, aside from Glenn and myself. But he kind of reported that it seems like the LSU wants to go with their final on-the-field coach hire, Glenn, for a guy with experience with tight ends, but also some play-calling experience. Uh, you mentioned a name earlier where people were like, oh, Tommy Reese. We saw what he just accepted to go to the NFL. Uh, as this kind of continues to wind down, we get closer to spring ball, which, I mean, maybe we need to start marking off the days in the calendar there. Your thoughts on where this goes? I know that there's a heavy candidate uh, down at Tulane right now that a lot of people have, you know, really kind of identified. But how do you feel about LSU looking for that final spot to say, hey, we want a guy that coaches tight ends and the play calling aspect, which would mean more maybe of a collaborative, helpful effort to put the best on the field product out there? Yeah, I think it's important to bring in somebody when you 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 want a bunch of different opinions kind of swirling. I think it's not always the best idea, but I think in this case, when LSU has so much uh, returning continuity with this offense and and kind of how they want to structure it, how they want to uh, approach uh, going about fixing or not not fixing, but just outlining it for for Garrett Nussmeyer and for this passing game to continue to have success. Uh, it's it's important to have a couple extra opinions in there, and uh, you know the, the the name that we're kind of beating around here has been Slade Nagel from Tulane. That's been one that's been really thrown around a lot over the last couple of days. Um, he's been getting some offensive coordinator buzz from various programs around the country, so we're we'll wait and see kind of what happens with that. He's been uh, helpful with the play calling uh, at with the Green Wave for the last couple of years. He's been the tight ends coach, I believe now for 7 or 8 years with Tulane. So, mm-hmm. uh, very very well equipped to to handle that position, knows the kind of the intricacies that go into developing that group technique-wise. So, uh, that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, John McNulty is another name that we've heard uh, for the tight ends coach, uh, somebody who's been around the business a lot or around college football a lot. He's been around the NFL, uh, coaching various positions over his career, not only just tight ends, but receivers and quarterbacks and uh, actually worked with Brian Kelly for a short stint uh, during his career as well. So there's that working relationship and that past uh, knowledge of what he's like. So 
those are just a couple names that we've heard very well could expand depending on what these decisions are made in the next several days, week. I, I mean, I, I don't think we have a firm lockdown on when the, the, the final hire will be made uh, for the staff, but somebody that you want to bring in that can not only help with um, the, 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 the knowledge of play calling and, and that sort of area as well. But someone that I think you, you want to bring in that can help with recruiting as well. I mean, like they've, they've done a really nice job of bringing in tight ends over the years uh, mm-hmm. that, that Mason Taylor's entering his junior year. You've got a couple of young studs in Camorian Pimpton and Mac Markway entering their second off season trade trade as green is, is somebody that is, just booming with potential and, and, and someone that I know that the staff is just excited to get their hands on uh, to potentially add to even more fuel to the fire for this offense going into 2024. So you've got some really good pieces here on, on the tight end room that, that, that will want to be developed by the right guy. And um, I think what Brian Kelly has proven this year is that no expense is too much to get, you know, to get these hires right. And so they're, they're doing their due diligence on this thing. I think they're, they're, they're um, they're close. They have a pool of candidates, but we'll see just kind of how long it takes uh, for them to kind of get this finalized. And uh, I think that whoever they bring in is not only going to have his hands, you know, with the tight ends, but also with, like you said, with the offense and the the, the play calling decisions and uh, how how they they you know what their opinions are on how this offense can can continue to be uh, run efficiently, uh, but also someone that can help out with the recruiting aspect of things as well because they're. You know, there again, there are some really exciting tight end prospects, offensive weapons that I think, uh, you know, could, could really be uh, pursued here over the coming years. And um, you know, having as many talented recruiters on staff as possible will only help in those efforts. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. And you can never accumulate enough talent, whether it's on the roster or whether it's in your coaching staff rooms as well. Glenn, I'll end it with this and uh, we'll get out of here. The big news uh, potentially happening is that Jim Harbaugh might be close to laying to the Chargers job. Um, how do you feel about these crazy perceived rumors of Brian Kelly potentially going to Michigan? I uh, just wanted to get your just just you know little uh, soft toss for th- for fun thoughts as we wrap up this coaching little uh, search podcast. Well, I mean, if, if <laughs> the way that he's been spending money right you know, with this with this coaching staff, I, I I would find it very hard to believe if, if Brian Kelly is a serious candidate. If if that Michigan job does open up, um, stranger things have happened. But uh, I, I think most fans can be uh, can go to bed at, at night with the with the comfort that he's going to be the coach here. I, I I wouldn't expect anything to come of this, um, but. You never know. I mean, it is a northern job, and it's one of the bigger north jobs in the country. But um, I think probably the most important aspect of this is that there would be another school, uh, another transfer portal window for 30 days for players to enter, another uh, ripple effect that that would have on whoever Michigan hires. So who knows? Maybe there's a couple defensive linemen up north that are looking for some warmer weather down south or a cornerback or two that – uh, might be wanting to throw their hand in the mix as well. So they're that are national champions, you know, coming off of a national championship season at Michigan. So that would be kind of my only interest right now if I'm LSU or if I'm, you know, any fan that's worried about Brian Kelly, you know, leaving for uh, to go back up north. I, I don't believe that would be a very uh, a very strong likelihood. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, uh, I 
I'll say ditto and, and, and move on off that topic. But, hey, we appreciate you for tuning in. Cortez Hankton, Joe Sloan hired to be the co-OCs, and this coaching staff on the field-wise starting to take shape as we get closer and get into winter workouts and we get into spring football as well. Uh, Glenn, cannot wait. and we got to get it on the schedule here soon for our first baseball podcast, a big preview podcast. I uh, believe that uh, you had a, had a nice night. On Sunday evening at the uh, the big kickoff dinner, and then uh, I believe Friday we get to get some good content uh, from the players as well. And so, man, it's a busy week on LSU's campus. Baseball, college game days coming on Thursday for South Carolina yeah. LSU women. I was texting with a buddy. He said, "What time are you going to get there?" I said, "I might need to like camp out so I can have a parking spot for media to be able to get into the game. I've got a media credential. Just I don't know if I'm going to have a parking spot." So, uh, a fun fun time of the year. Here in uh, here on LSU's campus. Did you see the tickets? I, I'm I, I, I'm easy. Six hundred, eight hundred, twelve hundred dollar tickets for floor tickets. I mean that's that's NBA level Madison Square Garden. You know, I mean, playoffs. That, that's playoffs. Like, that's big time money right there. So should be a very fun game uh, on Thursday night, and I'm looking forward to it as I know a lot of uh, LSU fans are. So we'll. We'll have Bryce there, and we'll certainly uh, be tuning in from from over here and, and striking up that conversation. So make sure you guys are are tuned in and subscribed and ready to to have some 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 fun on Thursday. Yeah, then we'll have great content on Friday talking all things baseball as we get ready to kick off that season here very very soon. He's Glenn West. My name is Bryce Coon. We appreciate you tuning in wherever it may be, and this has been another episode of the Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast.